Now, weren't the, ch- weren't the uh, children fantastic this morning? Yeah, absolutely. They were absolutely brilliant, weren't they? Extra, extra, read all about it. We've got news for you. Absolutely brilliant. I wonder what's the best news you have ever heard or maybe read. All clear from cancer? Yes to will you marry me? That's got a lot of poignancy this morning that that I wasn't expecting to to be saying this morning. (laughs) Your offer on the house has been accepted. War is over. Lockdown has ended. I'm safe. Interest rates have dropped. That kind of divides the room into those who've got mortgages and those who haven't. (laughs) Some of the news we receive can be really life-changing, can't it? Knowing that we get the all clear from a, you know, a, a, a terminal illness like cancer is truly life-changing. Living in a war zone and then hearing that there's peace, that must be amazing to hear. Hearing that interest rates have dropped, if you are stretched beyond the limit financially and suddenly seeing that kind of little bit of chink of light, knowing that you've got relief and you can afford to live and eat. But most of the news that we hear in the media is pretty depressing, isn't it? It's either wars or conflicts or economic problems or diseases or corruption in politics or economic woes. It's pretty just all pretty much pretty rubbish and pretty depressing. Or stuff that really just shouldn't be in the news at all anyway, such as what Taylor Swift is up to this week or what one of the Kardashians did this week. I mean, who cares is the answer to that, right? The greatest news that has ever been heard is found in the Bible in Luke chapter to verses 11 and 12, when the angel announces the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. This is what he says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David is born a Savior. Sorry, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I bring you good news, not just some news, but good news. And it's news of great joy that will be not just for some people, but for every single person on the planet. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is Christ the Lord. The central message and news that the church has for the world is Jesus. We're not just telling people about a cute baby in a manger or a good man or a great leader or a great moral example. Jesus was and is all of those things, but he is so, so much more than that. We're telling people about a Savior. The Bible says we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. That is our message. We're not preaching about Jesus, the gentle baby in the manger, or Jesus, the good man, or Jesus, the great ethical and moral teacher, or Jesus, the great example to us. We're to preach about Jesus, the Savior. And the fact that he's a Savior means that he had a sacrificial death on the cross. And we're to preach about his resurrection, that he conquered sin and death and hell. The Apostle Paul said these words, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This was Paul and the other early church leaders' most important task. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. This was Paul and the other church leaders, the early church leaders, most important task. And you know what? It's still our most important task today. We can do social care in the community. We can help people. We can feed people. That's all good. That's all great. But what matters more than anything else is not helping people in the community or being nice to people or telling people about Jesus, the great example or the great teacher, but preaching Christ 
crucified. Jesus, our Savior. Jesus has come to be the Savior. That is the most important news. The most important thing that we can tell people is that Jesus has died for their sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead. That is the most important news. That is the most important news that has ever been proclaimed on this planet. Telling people this amazing news about Jesus has to be and should be right at the center of what a local church does and what a local church is. It should be right at the center of what we do if we're a believer in Jesus. So the church, the church is made up of all those who throughout history have trusted in Jesus. The church is a gathering of Christian believers that God has appointed to tell people the good news about Jesus. That's what this church exists for. The reason this church exists, the reason every church exists, is partly to tell people about Jesus. It's not the only reason the church exists, but one of its primary tasks is to reach out to the people in Gosforth, or if it's a church in the other other side of the world, in France, or in um, Tanzania, where Anna's going. Every church everywhere, our task is to reach out and tell people this amazing good news. So we don't just come along here on a Sunday to have a good time week by week, or be encouraged, or be built up, or be taught. All of those things are really important. They're really biblical. But part of belonging to a local church... Part of being a believer in Jesus is having the task of telling other people who don't yet know about him, who haven't yet put their trust in him. It's about telling those people about Jesus. It's about telling people the good news about Jesus. And that should be right at the center of everything we do and everything we are. So what is our message? What is this good news that we had this morning so eloquently put by the, uh, the children? What are we meant to be telling people? Well, our message is the good news about Jesus. The Bible calls it the gospel. But what is the gospel? It's it's one of these phrases which we throw around in church a lot, isn't it? The gospel message or believing the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the word gospel is an old English word, which simply means good message. And it's a translation of a Greek word. The New Testament of the Bible was written in Greek, and the Greek word it translates is evangelion. And evangelion literally means good news. And the word evangelion was used by the writers of the Bible to refer specifically to the good news about Jesus. So when we talk about the gospel or the gospel message, we're talking about the good news about Jesus, specifically that he came, that he was born, that he lived the perfect life, that he died for each one of us, that he was buried, and that he rose again. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That is the gospel message that we believe as a church. So a church that puts telling people the good news about Jesus right at the center of what it does will often describe itself as a gospel church. Gospel tends to now be a kind of type of music, but that's not the point. It's meant to be describing a type of church, and a church that puts telling others about Jesus is a gospel church. They might also use the word evangelical church. The word evangelical is the English form of the Greek word evangelion. So an evangelical church is one which is active in telling people the good news about Jesus. So we can rightly describe ourselves here at Regent as a gospel church or an evangelical church. They're both accurate descriptions of who we are and what we do. A church that seeks to be active in telling people this amazing good news that we've had acted out for us this morning, the good news about Jesus. But what is the actual good news? We've kind of referred to it a little bit, but what is the good news about Jesus? What is this core message that churches 
and individual believers in Jesus should be active in proclaiming and telling people about it. And, and why is it good? Why is it called good news? Well, it's Luke 2, isn't it? 10 and 11. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That, in essence, is the good news. The good news of great joy is that a Savior has been born, Jesus. But why do we need a Savior? Why do we need Christmas? Christmas is lovely. We get all the food and all the, all the decorations and all the other stuff. But what is Christmas really all about? It's not just so that we can eat a lot on Christmas Day. It's not just so that we can have presents and sing some old kind of familiar songs that we like singing along to and all the rest of it. That's all very nice. But why do we really have Christmas? We have Christmas because we needed a Savior. And God came as a human being and became a baby that first Christmas. That is what Christmas is all about. All the other stuff is just the kind of fluff, the tinsel that we wrap around it. But at the center of Christmas is the fact that a Savior was born, that a Savior came. Romans chapter 3, 23 says this, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. God has created us to live in relationship with Him. Yet because of our sin, all those things that we do that we know are wrong, we've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. And our sins separate us from God because God's utterly holy and perfect and he can't stand to look on our sin. And that means that we're separated from God. And that's really serious. That's, that's bad news. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages or the result or the earnings, if you like, of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The result of our sin, the payment for our sin, the Bible says is death, physical death, but more importantly, spiritual death. And that effectively means separation from God for all eternity and from all that is good. Eternal separation in a place the Bible calls hell or the lake of fire, a place of eternal suffering for our sins. That's really bad news. That is the bad news. In fact, it's incredibly bad news. So what is the good news in all of that? What is this gospel? Well, look at the second half of that verse. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are all sinners deserving of eternal punishment at the hands of a holy, holy God. And yet because God loves us, and he doesn't just love us a little bit, he loves us with an eternal love, a love that is impossible to define. Because he loves us, he's made it possible for us to be forgiven, and to have the free gift, the best gift that we could ever have at any Christmas, better than a, a bottle of aftershave or a book or some new socks, the free gift of eternal life, real life, through Jesus. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's easy to say, I love you. It's much harder to put that into actions, isn't it? Words are, are cheap. Words are easy. God didn't just say, I love you. God acted that out. He sent his one and only son. God, in the person of Jesus, came to this earth and died, laid down his life. And as Jesus was on the cross, he was flinging his arms open wide, saying, this is how much I love you. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus there on the cross died and took our place, took your place, took my place, took all the punishment for all our sins upon himself. He was perfect. Jesus never did anything wrong. And yet he chose to take our place so that God's justice 
could be satisfied. And so the end result of all this is that if we accept that we've lived our way instead of living God's way, that we're, that we're sinners, if we confess that to God, if we ask God for forgiveness, if we place our faith and trust in Jesus, not only in who He is, but what He did on the cross, then we can be forgiven. All that rubbish, all that junk in our lives that we're embarrassed and ashamed of can all just be completely blotted out, and not just the past stuff, but the future stuff as well. We can be declared holy and right in God's sight. And we can, have an, we can have eternal life and we can have peace with God and have an eternal relationship with Him. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God takes our sin, takes it from us and He puts it on Jesus. And in return, Jesus gives us forgiveness and righteousness and a relationship with Himself. That's good news. Anybody think that's good news? Amen. Amen. Hopefully in a church full of people who are enjoying Christmas, that should be good news. Yeah, Bob thinks it's good news. Anybody else? Yeah. Amen. That's, that's good. That's good. Bob can always be relied on to say amen or yes. Thank you, Bob. I'll pay you later. Amen. <laughs> that's amazing good news. That is the best news you have ever heard. The other things I mentioned earlier, you know, they're good news, but this is the most eternally significant package of good news that anybody will ever hear. People destined for hell can instead be saved and receive eternal life, and all because of what Jesus did for us. That is amazing news. That is fantastic news. That's brilliant news. That is good news. That is gospel, the good news. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, not just for the clever, not just for the rich, but for everybody, every single one of us. If I had to be clever or rich, I would be out, and most of us would be out. But thank goodness God includes every single one of us this morning. And God has given us the most amazing good news, and He wants us as a local church and as individuals to make sure as many other people know about this good news as possible. It's amazing good news. And as a church, we don't just exist for the sake of ourselves, and the message we have for the world around us isn't just about a good man or, or a great teacher. It is life and death news. It's news which affects people's eternal destiny. It's the most important news that has ever been proclaimed in the history of mankind. So much so that the, the last thing that Jesus told his followers to do before he ascended back to heaven was to go into all the world and proclaim and to teach and preach this good news, this, this gospel to everybody. Look at Luke 24, 46 to 47. These are among the very last recorded words of Jesus here on earth as he instructed his disciples before he returned to heaven. This is what he says. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He's talking about himself. He's saying, I am the Christ. And by this point, he'd already suffered and died and risen again. And he said, repentance and forgiveness of sins will now be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. As Jesus returns to heaven, he commands his followers to go into the whole world to preach repentance, which means to turn away from our old way of living and begin to follow Jesus, to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins. And Paul, one of the early church leaders who wrote probably most of the New Testament, he grasped the importance of this. Look at what he said in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16. He says, yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. For Paul, preaching the gospel, the good news, 
about Jesus wasn't an option. It wasn't something that he could kind of pick up or put down. He was compelled by God to do it. How terrible he would, he says, if he didn't preach the good news. There's three basic reasons why a local church and individual believers should be active in preaching this good news to people around us. And the first is because Jesus commands it. We preach the gospel to be, to be obedient firstly to Jesus' command. And if that was the only reason, that should be enough. Because if we love Jesus, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. So a local church like this one needs to be obedient to Jesus. Why? Well, because we exist because of him. We, we belong to him. We're his body, the Bible says, and he's our Lord. So at a church level, we need to be constantly asking ourselves, are we being obedient and reaching out to lost people with the good news about Jesus, with people who don't yet know him? And we need to be constantly reviewing what we're doing to see if we're being effective and relevant in the way that we reach out. The message is never going to change, or it never should, but times change, and we need to make sure that our methods are appropriate for the time. But of course, a church like this isn't just an organization. It's a gathering of people. A gathering of Christian believers. A local church is made up of individual people like you and like me. So as individuals, we can't just leave it to the elders or to the staff or to one or two uh, key people who lead programs in our church to make sure this happens. Every single one of us needs to be involved in this. And there's two questions we need to consider as individuals. Firstly, what part am I playing in this church as we seek to reach out with this amazing good news? What part am I playing? in this church as we seek to reach out and tell people about Jesus. There's all sorts of ways in which this church tries to reach out to lost people with the good news about Jesus. Leaflet distribution, the, the church website, Oaks and Acorns, special coffee mornings, that the community hub yesterday morning, Friday frenzy, frenzy extra, Sunday school, Saturday night special events, fun days, special services like the carol service this afternoon. And things like Christianity Explored, all, all sorts of these things and, and more. So if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, if you've given your life to him, if you know and love him as your savior, then I wonder what part you're playing in this church as we seek to tell people about Jesus. Are you involved in any of these ministries? If not, why not? You may be physically too old or, or physically unable to get involved in some of these activities, but we can all pray, can't we? We can all be praying for these things. Every single believer in Jesus ought to be involved in some way or other in the evangelistic ministries of this church. The late John Stott said this, if we're, not, if we're not taking an active part in Christian witness, we're not just ineffective, we're positively in revolt against Christ. It is sheer hypocrisy to pay lip service to the Lordship of Jesus if we do not heed his command to evangelize. A dumb, silent Christian is a disobedient Christian. A church not engaged in mission is guilty of apostasy. But there's another question we need to consider, which is this. Who has God placed around me that I can tell about Jesus? Who has God put in your life, in my life, that we can tell about Jesus? We're all surrounded day by day by lost people who have not yet given their lives to Jesus. And God has placed those people in our lives so that we can reach out to them with this amazing good news. The command to go into all the world isn't just restricted to official church programs. It includes us as individuals at school, at work, in our families, and in our neighborhoods. When we're at school or work or wherever we are, we're representatives of this church. But much, much more importantly, we're representing Jesus. Paul says we're ambassadors. We are there as his representatives. 
So we can fulfill Jesus' command to go into the whole world and tell people about him, not just as a church, not just in our church ministries, but also in our daily lives as we interact with lost people. There's a second reason why we should be active in telling people the good news. Look at what Jesus said. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world, and that includes you. If you are in the world this morning, and I think every single one of us are in this world, that includes you. God loves you. And he, gave, he loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world and gave his only son, Jesus, so that people wouldn't perish in hell, but could have eternal life. People all around us are going to hell every day, according to the Bible. Only about 4% of the UK population would claim to have a a living relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that 96% of the UK population, according to the Bible, are heading for a lost eternity in what the Bible calls hell, heading for an eternity of suffering and punishment for sin separated from God for all eternity. And the fact that 96% of the people around us, that's going to be their experience, that should horrify us, that should terrify us, that should appall us, and it should drive us and motivate us to want to tell people this amazing good news. That doesn't have to be the case. They They can experience God's love, they can experience God's forgiveness, they can have a relationship with God. God loves every single person on this planet, and so we need to love people and do what we can do to tell them this amazing good news, that they can have their sins forgiven, they can have eternal life, that they can have a relationship with God. See, we need to preach the good news to rescue people from hell. That's how serious the gospel is. That's how serious the message is. And the way that we can extend God's love to lost people is to be proactive and intentionally involve ourselves in telling other people the good news. If we don't tell people, then who will? God doesn't have a plan B. His plan A is us. There is no plan B. We are the ones that God has entrusted this task with. If we don't tell people, nobody else will. And that means being intentional about spending time with non-Christians, with people that don't net don't yet know Jesus, so that we can build relationships with them, so that we can tell them this amazing good news. There's a third reason in the Bible why we should be active in telling people the good news about Jesus. Look at Exodus 34, verse 14. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. God demands, as creator, God demands that all people everywhere honor him and worship him. He alone is God. There is none other. And God's honor and God's glory are at stake here. When people around us refuse to worship God, when they worship other gods, be they physical idols or things like money and success, then God is robbed of the love that he deserves. God is robbed of his glory. So part of the reason that we should be active in telling people about Jesus is God's glory. It's God's honor. Ultimately, everything we do as followers of Jesus should be about God's glory and God's honor. And when people accept Jesus as Savior and begin to worship God, then he's honored and glorified. He begins to get the glory and honor that that he deserves. And he created us to live in relationship with him. Anytime somebody isn't living in relationship with him, God is being dishonored. So we need to preach the gospel because of God's honor and his glory. So we preach the gospel, this, this amazing good news about Jesus. Why? Well, firstly, to be obedient to Jesus' own command. Secondly, because we want to rescue lost people from a lost eternity. And thirdly, because we're zealous, or we should be, about God's glory 
and we want other people to worship him just as we do. This really is the best news that anybody else will ever hear on this planet. There's some great stuff that we will hear in the news and great, perhaps great personal uh, information that we will receive, but this is more important than anything else. It's the best news that anyone will hear, and it has the power and the ability to transform a person's life, not just for a, a week, not for a year, not even for this lifetime, but actually for eternity. What's the best news you've ever heard is the tagline of Christianity Explored. It's a course that we're going to be running here in February and March next year. And it might be that you want to do the course. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And, and some of the things that I've said this morning, maybe they're new to you or they've made you think and, and kind of stirred your brain a little bit this morning. Maybe you'd like to know more about Jesus. Maybe you'd think, yeah, I'd like to know more about him or I don't agree with everything you've said. You'd like to know why he came to, to kind of talk about this in more depth, why did Jesus die? Did he really rise from the dead? Is that true? And if that's you this morning, if, that's, if these are questions which maybe you're asking or, or thinking through, then please do come and see me afterwards. I'd be delighted to chat with you and explain what happens on the course. And if you want to do the course, which starts on Thursday evenings in February, then I can sign you up and we can make the arrangements for that. be delighted for you to be part of that if that's something you'd be interested in. Most of us here this morning have probably already responded to the good news about Jesus by putting our faith and trust in Him. Most of us would be able to say, yeah, that's, that's my experience. And if that's the case, then what about inviting someone to the course? There's about eight weeks until the course starts. So why not pray for that person that God has been putting on your heart? Pray for them. And then take the plunge, be bold, and go and invite them. Take them out for a coffee, go for a walk with them, have them over for lunch, whatever it might be, and invite them. What's the worst that can happen? They'd say, no. What's the best that could happen? They'd come and they'd hear the good news about Jesus. They might not accept it, but at least we've done our part and we've introduced them to Jesus. And the greatest thing that could happen is that they'd hear that a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord, and they'd give their lives to Him. And they'd be saved for all eternity. That would be really good news, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be amazing news next year if, if lots of us had friends and neighbors and, and family members that put their faith and trust in Jesus? This afternoon and this evening, we've got two carol services. Now, I know we all, you maybe all like singing carols, but the purpose of our carol service isn't just to come and sing some old familiar songs, some old carols at Christmas. The number one reason we have it is so that people who don't yet know Jesus can come and hear about Jesus. That is the only reason we're having a carol service. Okay, so if you're getting excited about singing carols, that's not what, it's, that's not what we're doing it for. But though the carols are just an opportunity to, to sing carols so that people will come and hear about Jesus because that is what's really important. So I hope you enjoy the carol service, but we're not really here to enjoy the carol service. The whole reason for the carol services is so that people who don't yet know Jesus will come and hear about Jesus, maybe for the first time. And wouldn't it be amazing if some of them then put their faith and trust in Jesus? So you've got a few hours. If you haven't yet invited someone, maybe you've been putting it off and you think, oh, they won't come. Oh, I don't think they'll come. Give them a text. What's the worst they can say? I'm busy or no thanks. But they might just say, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'll come over. That would be great. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be great? We've got two services. We've got plenty of capacity. So bring people. If you haven't invited someone yet, can I urge you to pick up the phone or, or drop them a text, whatever? Wouldn't it be amazing if they said yes? Wouldn't it be even more amazing if they said yes to Jesus? That would be the greatest Christmas they'll ever have and probably one of the greatest Christmases you'll have. I'm going to pray. 
Maybe this wasn't the message you were expecting this morning. Maybe you're expecting a nice little Christmassy message about shepherds and angels and so on. Actually, all that stuff is really about this because this is what it's all about. It's the good news that a Savior has been born. This is what it's really all about. And if Jesus is speaking to you this morning, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about himself, maybe you've never yet trusted in Jesus, this morning would be a wonderful time to put your faith and trust in him. And maybe there's someone on your heart that you want to pray for or you want to invite this afternoon or, or to Christianity Explored. Let's, take, let's be bold and do that. And, and let's pray for this afternoon that many will come and many will hear about Jesus. Father, we thank you for Christmas, because Christmas is all about Jesus, our Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved us so much that you became a human being, you became a man. You confined yourself to being a baby. You were Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that you are a Savior, the Savior, the only Savior. Thank you that you came with one reason, which was to die. You were born to die. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross there for us. You took our place. You took our sins. Thank you that you didn't stay dead. Thank you that you rose again. You conquered death and sin and hell. Thank you right now you're in heaven. And one day every single one of us will stand before you. Father, we pr I pray that today anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, that they will surrender their lives to you today and accept the wonderful forgiveness that you offer to each one of us. Father, help every single one of us, I pray today, to remember what Christmas is really all about. Help us to remember, help us to be motivated to go out once more and to tell others about you. We pray that this Christmas, in this church, in churches across this city, across this nation, right across the world, that millions of people will hear about Jesus, perhaps for the first time, and I pray that millions of people will put their faith and trust in you, Lord Jesus, for the very first time and surrender their lives to you. We pray for this afternoon, Lord. We pray for the carol services. Would they be a great afternoon, I pray. Most importantly of all, we pray that people will hear about you and put their faith and trust in you. Pray for Christianity Explored in, in February and pray again that many people will come and many will give their lives to you. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for despite the fact that we are so often unfaithful to you, that you invite us to come and, and live in relationship with you. And we worship you for that this morning. We give you thanks. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.